Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Wellfar, the weekly running podcast that will be by your side as you train for 26.2. It's hosted by me, Amy Hopkinson. By day, I'm Women's Health Digital Editor, but when not in the office, I'm a marathon runner too. So this year, with the race on the horizon, I'm here to help with blisters and bruises, runners' highs and lows, what to eat before Sunday run day, and how the heck you refuel after. So put on your trainers, plug yourself in, let's get going. Hi everyone, and welcome back to week six of Wellfar. I can't believe how fast the weeks are flying by. This week I ran my longest run yet of 14 miles. It was super tough, but I got through using a couple of techniques. And actually it's not just me using running hacks at the moment. I got messaged by a woman called Christy on Instagram to say that she also ran a PB after using the breathing technique of exhaling for four and just letting her in-breath flow in. And this was a tip that I shared on my Instagram feed, which came from a trainer of mine called Luke Worthington. If you guys want to do the same, you can find it on my feed. The picture you're looking for is me running on a treadmill. But now on to this week's blog. So what have I been doing to get me through the long slog? Well, this week I ran 10 miles and then I arranged to meet my fiance for the last four. So whilst I was out running for 10 miles, he was in my house having a nice brunch and then about an hour and a half after I left I collected him and we ran the last four together. We then ended our run in a coffee shop for coffee and cookies and it was there that we made a pact that for the next 10 weeks we're going to make plans to meet somewhere nice for when my long runs end. This was something I actually did last year during my marathon training and I've decided to do it again this year because it's really easy when you're marathon training to make weekends revolve around you and your long runs and what you need to do. And actually that can be a bit of a stress in a relationship, I think. And also it can mean that you kind of miss out on time with friends. So what I did last year was I arranged to meet either my fiance in a restaurant or a pub or somewhere nice. And he was there with a fresh change of kit for me. And so I ran to that place. And then when I ended, we had a really nice Sunday lunch together. And so selfishly, it was a reason to keep me running, but it was also a really nice thing for us to do together. The other thing that I've been doing to make my long runs more bearable is listening to podcasts. I'm a bit of a sucker for a podcast. I really, really love listening to the sound of people talking when running because I find it helps me get into a kind of a natural rhythm. And there has actually been studies done on this. When you listen to music, it changes your cadence because it can either make you speed up or slow down. Whereas when you listen to people talking, generally 
because it's kind of more of a natural flow, it helps you find your natural flow. So at the moment, I'm loving Fern Cotton's Happy Place. And I'm also loving Bryony Gordon's new book called Eat, Drink, Run, How I Got Fit, which I'm listening to on Audible. I find that other people's stories are really inspiring and they take my mind off the effort of running. On a practical note, I've been looking at my running splits via the activity app on my phone to find out when I need to refuel. There is so much advice out there about refueling and this is actually gonna come up in a later episode. And you can take many different approaches to it, but what I found is that in the early days, it's really good to look at your own mile splits to figure out when you're slowing down and therefore when your body is finding it tough and potentially running out of fuel. So for me, what I found is that by looking at my running splits, I generally slow down around six miles. So therefore, I need to fuel just before that. So at the moment, I'm fueling at about five miles. This doesn't mean that you guys need to too. But what I would say is if you are struggling and you're finding that you're getting slower over long runs, why not look at the activity app on your phone and see where you you slow down and then you can kind of think, actually, maybe I'm going to try taking a gel there. Maybe I'm going to try taking some food on and see whether that helps you run a bit more consistently. So what have we got coming up in today's show? Well, First of all, I have two great guests who are going to help you discover how to make marathon training that little bit less lonely and that little bit more social. And then later on in today's show, I go running with Katie Piper, who, despite being told she'd never exercise again, went on to run races and is living her most active life yet. We run around a very muddy lake in very terrible weather and have the best time. So keep listening, keep running, keep enjoying the journey and keep sharing it with me on Instagram via hashtag welfare. Have a great week. So today I'm in the studio with Stephen Ajadu, founder of London Brunch Club and Run Coach. He's got 11 marathons under his belt, all done in the past six years, and most recently ran New York Marathon. His fastest time so far is 3.25, so he knows how to train for speed. Joining him today is Francesca Monato. When not running the Women's Health Social accounts or organising WHRC pop-up runs, you'll find her training for Manchester Marathon. She's recently picked up the pace to run her fastest mile, fastest 5k and 10k, and she's hoping that 2019 is her year for speed at marathons. So welcome, guys. Hello. Hi. So when did you start London Brunch Club and why did you start it? So it started about four years ago now. Um, and the main thing really was um, at the time there was a lot of different running groups, running crews, running clubs. Um, but most of those were all running in the week. And we were basically a group of friends that decided we wanted to run at the weekend and help support and encourage each other for our, our long runs when we were marathon training. And is it just as the name suggests, it's running and brunch? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's simple, but it works. And how many members do you have? So we have about 80 to 85 members at the moment. We do new membership um, every six months. And so people usually join us um, if they're training for specific races um, or they join because um, they just sort of want a sense of community. And why did you join Chess? Definitely the second reason of the two. I've never really needed uh, help motivating myself for 
races and stuff like that. Um, I think that's kind of why I got into running in the first place, the fact that you can do it on your own. And yeah, it's quite a self-motivated thing. But it can get a little bit boring. And also other people get bored of you talking about running all the time. So now I've got like a whole pool of people. Yeah, it's cool to have people who understand what you're going through. And it means since I've been in the club, I've had good training cycles and bad training cycles. And it's, I I might have given up on running for longer periods of time if I hadn't have had brunch club, I think. Change your life, Stephen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, and I think that's definitely the main thing about running in a in a group um, is that people will have ups and downs. So sometimes mm. you don't really need the support, and you might be sort of self motivating. But sometimes you do need support. You know, if you've got other stuff going on, um, sort of in your general life, or you know, stress at work, um, and you know, other bits and pieces, all that can impact on running can impact on training so I think having a group there to support you they'll they'll kind of always be there for you so you don't have to have like a certain level of fitness to run with London Brunch Club so yes and no so so because we do sort of specialize in half marathon and marathon training we generally don't run any less than sort of 10k and so I guess you do have to be a certain level to be able to do that um, we try and have three pace groups every week. And so that kind of covers people. We we have a group of people who are sort of around the sub three marathon mark. And we have people that are sort of training for their first that might be closer to kind of 4.30 or five hours. So we kind of try and cover a broad range of people. We We can't cover everyone. And a lot of that is to do with the fact we run and then go for brunch. And so because of that kind of social aspect that we have every week, we kind of need people finishing within a within a sort of certain time frame. Yeah, otherwise they'd be arriving at the brunch place and you'd be already be done. Yeah, all... exactly. I have a question which isn't related to running, but is related to brunch. <laughs> what do you guys order when you get? Do you have a brunch ritual? I have a brunch pal in Brunch Club who often goes halves with me. So we do a sweet one and a savoury one. So yeah, she's veggie, so it's always it's always basically eggs on one and like pancakes on the other it's pretty great yeah and i think we also go to like a range of different places so we do go to like places where you can get pancakes where you can get sort of avocado toast so it might be a little bit healthier but we try and sort of mix it up so people can kind of get a little bit of everything i guess i mean this is sounding like my dream (laughs) (laughs) before i started running earlier on last year i always looked at run clubs and felt like i wasn't a real runner so i couldn't join a run club how, what advice would you give to people which are thinking of joining a run club? I feel like that is a myth, first and foremost, if you put trainers on, you're a runner. But at the same time, with certain crews, you need to be able to run a certain distance. So that's, I'd say that is a limitation rather than anything else. So if you can run that distance in, in that time, you're welcome. Yeah, and I think I would say there's, in London especially, there's quite a, a broad range of different clubs and different crews and different groups you can run with. There's a lot which are sort of a lot more social and less about speed. So if you're you're a kind of beginner runner or a new runner, they're probably better suited. There's obviously others which do sort of track workouts. Obviously, we do long runs. And so there's kind of something for everyone, whether you are sort of starting or your marathon training or somewhere in between. There, there is kind of something for everyone. And I think that's also where the support from uh, with, uh, with other people comes from in that 
you know, once you do go once or twice and you start to sort of make friends and you sort of build that up, then that sort of fear you have at the beginning very quickly goes. Um, and I think, yeah, because you're kind of in it together and doing the same thing together, um, it makes a big difference as well. Yeah, because the long runs, they're quite easy to skip after a night out, aren't they? <laughs> if it's just you that's going on them. Whereas I suppose if you're meeting 80-odd people, it's like, right, they're all going to turn up, so I need to turn up. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's kind of fundamentally the reason why we started the club, because we knew it was difficult to kind of get out there and run maybe your fastest 16 miles or maybe 20 miles if you're if you're marathon training. And that's where we felt like people needed the support the most. Mm. Um, and yeah, as I said, it, it sort of does make you a bit more accountable if you've got friends who are going to be there and you're kind of going through it together. It kind of helps and, and then it doesn't feel like a sort of individual thing that you're just doing on your own and like you're sort of just trying to get, get it done, basically. It makes it a little bit more enjoyable. We live in a world at the moment where it's all about virtual networks. However, it seems that there's this revival of run clubs and offline networks because maybe people are actually craving real relationships again as opposed to living their life online. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's probably, again, like one of the benefits of the club is the kind of social aspect. And it's because I think a lot of people or, you know, especially that we see with the club, a lot of people have moved to London for work. So most of our members aren't born in London. They might either be from different parts of the world or from different parts of the UK. And so they're sort of coming together for a kind of shared love of something, whether or not they've ran marathons or not, or they're just sort of, you know, maybe they've ran one half marathon and they're sort of interested in running another one faster or they're interested in running longer. That's kind of the initial reason people come together with Brunch Club. And then they sort of stay because of that sense of community. Has joining a running club changed your running? As in, has it motivated you to try different challenges, which perhaps you wouldn't have done if you'd just been running by yourself? I think what it's done is kept me running in the off seasons. You know, if you're a slightly competitive person I find it quite easy to be like okay I've got this challenge I'm going to work for it but then it's the times when that challenge isn't there what makes you get up and go for a run on a on a totally random day that has I think it, it kind of has helped me sustain my running more than anything. And has running with other people made you want to run faster? I think I've always wanted to run faster <laughs> um, but yeah sometimes it's fun to be like one day I'll be up with the boys who pretend they're running a certain speed but are actually running way faster. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Stephen, how about you? Um, you obviously started London Brunch Club as a passion project. And so did running with a group make you run faster? Yeah, I think it, it helped me run faster and run longer. So when I first, um, when I first moved to London, I'd never run further than 10k. And I think I... I kind of had it in my mind that that was kind of the limit that I had or that was kind of as far as I wanted to run. And it was only through running with other people kind of week in, week out and then hearing their stories about running a half marathon or running a marathon that weekend. And I was kind of like, oh, these are just normal people who have full-time jobs who are who are still training and doing all these things at the weekend. And then that kind of encouraged me to sign up to my first half marathon. And then in time... Um, I think I did three half marathons before my first marathon. Then since then, done two or three marathons a year. So I think 
that kind of happened quite quickly. But I still remember what it was like to only be running 10K and, and not ever run further than that. Do you run with music or do you run without? It kind of depends. So it normally depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Obviously, if I'm running with other people, I won't listen to music. I think if I feel like I need an extra bit of motivation, then then I will. When I ran New York Marathon uh, last year, I, I didn't use music. And I think I maybe struggled more as a result of that. Yeah. Um, but I think it kind of depends. It, it depends on... Um, if you feel like it it helps you or not, I think. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think it's like you have to train, this is the same with literally everything, but you have to train in the way you, you're going to run the race. So you can't just train with music for four months and then be like, right, I'm going to be really pure on race day and just not have any music. You'll hate it. That's basically what I did. <laughs> Yeah. So, so actually, that's a really good, that's a really good segue into what what running mistakes have you made in the past, which you've learnt from doing too much too soon. Everyone says it; it's written in every single online article, magazine article, anything you read about starting a training plan is just don't suddenly start running loads of miles really soon. But it's so hard not to when you just really want to get going, but. Every time I've done that, I've got injured. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a hard lesson to keep learning. Um, mm. But, yeah. And then in the same vein, like investing in the recovery stuff, stuff, I now regularly see an osteo and, like, regularly get sports massage. And I know that's expensive. And it's just kind of like you decide which things are the most important to you and what you're going to spend your money on. And I've decided, given how much time I dedicate to running it makes sense to then also dedicate a little bit of money to it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they're the kind of main things I've changed from being beginner. I, d- I definitely remember um, for my first marathon, which was Paris Marathon, um, which is probably four or five years ago now, I bought brand new socks the day before, <laughs> which I thought was a really good idea. And then I think I probably only got not even halfway and I started to get blisters. So I... I I definitely will learn the hard way. When people say don't buy new stuff the day before, there's a reason why people say that. And yeah. that's very good, definitely very good advice. I, I ran London um, last year in kit, which I hadn't done any running in. Mm. So, yeah, I yep. mean, the chafe. Yeah, yep. I'd, I ran in a running belt I'd never run in before on race day, yep. my first ever one. I, think I threw it away halfway around. There's definitely a panic that you get like the day before or a few days before and you start basically making different decisions to what you've <laughs> done like previously. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's kind of one of the key things, you know, I try and say as a coach is kind of stick to what you know. So like when you're doing your long runs, they're a good like opportunity to practice. Practice what you're going to wear, practice what you're going to eat, practice how you're going to fuel. And, you know, you do long runs like 18 miles, 20 miles. They are they practice runs, basically. So you should be going through exactly what you're planning to do on marathon day and stick to that and have confidence in that. I right. think a lot of people sort of panic, like like I said, the day before or the day on the day and sort of feel like, oh, I need an extra gel or a different type of gel or I need to wear something different and oh. and then it just causes other problems. Yeah, and don't take the gel that they give away for free. Sorry to the sponsor, but if you've never tried it, that is risky business. Is, is that basically <laughs> risking spending a bit of time in a port loo Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so running gels and sports drinks. 
I feel like they're a they're a whole new world to like runners who are just starting out. As a run coach, Stephen, what do you advise people to? Do? Yeah, so I think it's it's difficult because I think to be honest, a lot of it is about trial and error. Mm. There is obviously so many different products you can get. Um, and different things will work for different people ultimately. And so I think you're not going to know, unfortunately, you're not going to know what works for you until you sort of either it works or you find out the hard way that it doesn't work. <laughs> or- um, so I think it's, yeah, I mean, I think you probably don't need a gel or or a sports drink to kind of help fuel your running unless you're going kind of past half marathon distance. Um, and I think generally... Yeah, try a brand, see if it works for you. If it doesn't, maybe try something different. And so one of my last questions for you guys is, what do you, obviously, you end your long runs with an amazing brunch, but what do you have before you go running? It kind of depends how far we're running. Um, If it's kind of 10 miles or less, I might just have kind of peanut butter and toast. If it's a bit longer, then I'll probably have porridge normally. Literally the exact same answer. (laughs) Trained from the school <laughs> of London Brunch Club. Like that. <laughs> Stephen, I was really surprised to hear that London Brunch Club is your side hustle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm um, a senior digital project manager. And so, yeah, I organise everything for Brunch Club in my sort of spare time. So, yeah, it's it's kind of been every Sunday pretty much for the last four years. Um, we've obviously got a great sort of group community of people. So we also try and organize socials, extra runs in the week. We do, we've done some track sessions recently, some tempo runs. Um, so yeah, it's good fun. Wow. And Chess. Yes. So you do your long run with London Brunch Club, Mm -hmm. but how do you make sure your other runs in the week happen? Um, well, I used to really, really hate running in the morning, but I've kind of, since I've started cycling, I think I've my body's gotten used to moving first thing. Um, so I've gotten much more keen on the commute run. Um, it just is a way of fitting them in without completely derailing your day. Because obviously, if you get an hour's lunch break, there's not that many runs that are going to fit into an hour, including your shower and actually consuming food. Um, so yeah, making it a commute if you can... Finding a good backpack is essential. And so, guys, to round off the podcast, we're sort of six weeks into the marathon training season right now. So what's your one piece of advice that you would give Welfare listeners on their marathon journey? Uh, Okay, so one thing that I learned over the past few cycles is to not be afraid to eat. So obviously... You can't just eat anything and everything. Um, But when these distances are ramping up and your your weekly mileage is going up and up, your calories need to be matching that. And I think it's easy to just kind of not realise what you're eating. And, that you know, there's a lot of that you're thinking about when you're marathon training. And nutrition for a lot of people, for me, definitely, often is quite near the bottom. Um, And it affects so much. And for me, I... Have found it really effect- affected my sleep if I wasn't having enough food. Um, and you need your sleep during marathon training, big time. Yeah, definitely. 
I would definitely just say to, to try and enjoy it. It kind of sounds cheesy, but I know it can be difficult if you're getting up early to try and run or, you know, you, you're stressed at work, but then you need to go out and run that evening. Um, it can start to feel like a bit of a chore yeah. and like hard work. And so I think it's important to try and um, to try and enjoy it as much as you can. Like not everyone runs a marathon and there's probably a reason for that it is hard work sometimes so I think just to try and enjoy it as much as you can obviously I would always say if you can run with other people that will help um but yeah I think just to try and enjoy it and if you skip one run out of the whole cycle it's not the end of the world no definitely and I think also don't try and uh, make up for skipped runs as well I think a lot of people try and do that and and end up doing too much I think it's good to stick to a plan to kind of have a, a kind of framework of what you sort of should be doing but you know if you are a bit hard on time one day you need to run a little bit shorter or you just can't run that's fine as well like nothing is going to happen you'll still be able to finish the marathon so that's fine and just of one thing that you just said, which is not many people run marathons. I think Instagram and obviously running in cruise is great, but stuff like that just can make you feel like everyone is running a marathon and that it's not actually that impressive or that hard or that whatever. But actually just be really proud of yourself for putting the work in because it's not easy and it's an achievement. And I think also on Instagram, a lot of people generally only talk about the highs. A lot of people don't talk about the lows. And so everyone has them. Everyone has ups and downs. There will be days where running feels easy and days where it feels like it's hard work. And so, you know, although people aren't saying that, everyone does definitely go through that. Great advice, guys. Well, thank you so much. If the Wellfire listeners want to follow your journeys, where's the best place they can follow you? Um, Instagram for me and it's at chess underscore Monato but I spell my name C-E-S because it's from the name Francesca so we're just taking that little bit out the middle um, and my Instagram is Stephen Adjudu or you can just find me through the London Brunch Club account amazing or you'll probably see them on my social soon because I'm going to try and tag on to the back of the one of London Brunch Club runs because I definitely want some pancakes on a Sunday <laughs> definitely <laughs> thanks very much guys thank you thank you Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So... I am joining Katie Piper today on a run around a beautiful lake and we are going to have a really good chat about <laughs> Katie's amazingly crazy life. 
Um, <laughs> but it's just become one of the most successful stories of the past few years. So, welcome, Katie. Hello. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining me it's here today. It's a pleasure. Today. In the mud and the in rain. The mud, yeah. But sometimes they're the best runs, I think. So, Katie, the past year, <laughs> or we should say 18 months, really, you've done two books. Yes. A podcast. Yes. <laughs> had another baby. Oh, I know. <laughs> done Strictly Come Dancing, a women's health cover, <laughs> and filmed two more TV series. It's been a busy few months, hasn't it? Yeah. How do you pack it all in? <laughs> well, they always say, if you want something done, ask a busy person. That is true. And I think the more busy you become, the more organised you become, and the more sort of strict you become with your time. So, you know, you kind of prioritise, um, and you just become more productive, actually, I think. And so how did you get into running? Because I, I've, I've heard a rumour, or <laughs> slash read something, which said that... You got into running because you forgot your Oyster card. Oh, God. Well, it's quite funny. Okay, so it was a mixture of things. Basically, I, after I recovered from my injuries, I moved back to London. I moved to Chiswick in West London, and um, I lived in this flat on my own. And then I had an office for my charity that was at the other end of the high road. Right. And it was a 5K run. I'd never really run before. And I forgot my Oyster card. I used to get the bus down the high road home. Yeah. And I was in, like, kind of sports clothes. And I thought, do you know what? I might just run home. I couldn't run the whole way, because 5K for a non-runner, you know. Yeah, that's a long way. <laughs> but I kind of, like, walked, ran, walked, ran. And I was like, do you know what? This could be quite interesting, because running to get somewhere is a bit easier than just running if you're a non-runner. So yeah. it kind of started like that. And then a big driver was um, loneliness. So I was single, living in the flat on my own. And at weekends, I was like, well, I could just get up and go and do like a park run because there's like people there. I'd start doing that. And so did you just take yourself off and you were like, right, I'm yeah, just going to do this? I just kind of did it on my own, headphones in. And then in the evenings after work, if I had nothing to do, I slowly started um, running past my home and doing like a lap around the next neighbourhood. And then that turned into a 10k. Um, and then I'd get home, eat and go to bed. And it was like, that's the evening taken up. I don't have to sit there and think about problems and stuff. So yeah. it became a bit of therapy. And then I became like that really annoying person that would do like a 10K before work, and stuff, <laughs> which is like, the, you know, the kind of person I used to hate. Um, so, yeah, it was, it, was, it was actually a positive... It was a horrible time in my life when I felt a bit isolated. And the running turned into a really positive time in my life. And I ended up running a half marathon as a result. Wow. So, yeah... And how did you find the training? Because, like I said in the beginning, like, you are juggling a lot. Yeah, I mean, in the past, training was a welcome distraction. It was great. But most recently, it's been very difficult because, you know, you hear about this thing like mother's guilt, women's guilt. It's quite difficult to have, like, a full-on job and come back from being in London all day and look at your husband and kids and be like, right, I'm going to go running now. Yeah. I just can't really do that. So try and do other cardio in the house so put the kids to bed go on the skipping rope oh do you yeah because it just helps with you know lung capacity and yeah. getting you kind of fit go out with the buggy in the day um if i'm spending time with my eldest daughter at the weekend always wear gym clothes and then if you take her to the park you can sort of chase her run around with her do some hits and star jumps just you know trying to keep active and reframing your mindset you're not going to go for a time you're going to go for completion because at the end of the day, you don't want your 
other relationships to suffer for some made up time like what does that really mean yeah that is so true it's like <laughs> and it's something which I really embraced because I did the, a little bit the same with the marathon last year my life is nowhere near as busy as yours but it was that time pressure which had really put me off yeah trying to achieve something and actually that annoys me about some people on Instagram they'll be like if you want to make the time you'll make the time yeah they try and shame other people into not exercising and it's like no genuinely sometimes you don't have the time yeah you literally don't it's not laziness <laughs> You were once, you were told at 24 that you wasn't going to be able to exercise again, wasn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's quite, it's always funny when you go through medical journeys, they always have to be quite bleak, I guess, because they have to be realists. And um, one of the hardest things anyone who's listening to this, who's ever been burnt or had skin grafts will know, you lose the ability to sweat. So oh. the, the areas that are grafted are not connected, but you lose the sweat glands. So when you run, you just absolutely you just really overheat and then the other areas where you can sweat overcompensate so like my whole face can't sweat so at the end of the half marathon it's like dry as a bone and then my scalp was soaked wow. because it would overcompensate and sweat there so it is slightly harder in that way um but you know sometimes like when you can't do something it sort of pushes you further to think well i'm not going to let external factors control my life Obviously, you, pr you proved them wrong and you've achieved so much, but do you think that's given you a different appreciation for your body as well? Yeah, it really has because, you know, I've been in medical situations where being cardiovascularly fit has served me well through big, big operations, through recovery. It's enabled me in areas I might have not been able to sort of take on. It's helped me with pain management. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, You've got to respect the human body when it's recovered from something big like that. You've got to treat it well. And you obviously had two children as well. Yeah, I mean, from what yeah. my sister tells me, childbirth is, is, is a pretty massive experience. Yeah, I mean, it's full on. And do you know what? That's why I really, really respect women's health. Because when I did the cover, I wasn't photoshopped. Um, I have got loose skin because it's my second pregnancy. And on the cover, you can see the loose skin. And I was like, oh, I wondered if they would, like, just airbrush that out because, you know, other people would. And they didn't. And I thought, do you know what? That's really good because the reality is if your stomach stretches two times to the size yeah. of an iceberg, yeah. like, you're going to get a little <laughs> bit of, like, loose skin. Um, and the more we see that and the more we normalise it, we won't feel freaked out or think it's ugly because it's just kind of part of carrying kids, you know? Yeah. I think what came out of that shoot for me was... The fact, um, I think you said something along the lines of, like, I've worked really hard. And you were just so proud of how you looked. Yeah. And actually, I think we need to be more proud as women of, like, yeah. the effort that we put in. And also just proud of our bodies. And it was, that was amazing to be, <laughs> to, for me to read about you being so proud of yourself. Yeah, I mean, I felt a sense of achievement. Um, and I felt strong and in control and... Because, you know, it is largely about control, really, because you're being consistent and you're being in control of your actions. And I think that's an act of empowerment. And then doing something like the cover is kind of a celebration of all that work. It, did, it, did it take a lot of work with your food yeah. and your diet? Yeah, it did. Um, so I breastfed and just kept eating croissants <laughs> constantly, <laughs> all the time. And um, I have caesarean, so I couldn't exercise for six weeks. And when I was breastfeeding, I just kind of ate the world and just did anyway. So I had the baby in December 
And I didn't start exercising until February. And then we shot the cover in July. Wow. I mean, it's not like a secret formula, you know, all the... I wrote it all down in the Healthy Happy Man manual, and it's not rocket science, you know. It's being mindful if you want to lose body fat. You know, you have to go into calorie deficit. I do allow myself to have some treats, mindful of the alcohol. But basically, you know, moving more than I'm eating, it's kind of... I mean, I do, for me, in the um, plan, there is intermittent fasting. And does that work for you? It does work for me, just because I'm really into mindfulness, and under that banner is mindful eating. So the old me would get the kids up and have, like, a piece of toast hanging out my mouth while getting them ready, take it in the car, and that's just such a bad way to treat food. You know, it's like eating in front of the telly. <coughs> you just consume, you don't know what you're consuming. So now I'll intermittent fast, I'll wake up, drink like herbal teas and water. So all the kids that are getting to school come home. And I'll eat my first meal at 10 a.m. House is empty. And I'll cook like eggs or something. And I'll sit there on the table and I'll mindfully eat and acknowledge what I'm eating. Or if it's a work day, I'll eat at that like 11 o'clock coffee break window. Right. Um, and it really works for me. And then, you know, that's an eight hour window and I've got then my evening meal still falls within that eight hour window. So if it's a work day, always take a prep meal box with me because, you know, at work you haven't always got healthy options available. And what do you put in there? I'm always um, intrigued by people's lunch boxes. I really try and mix it up. So there'll always be a carb. I never cut carbs at all. So just try and make a whole meal carb. Fish, turkey, quite like lean turkey, some salads, some veg. I take fruit, I take dark chocolate. Um, and always like a big bottle of water with some lemon and stuff in it. Right. Um, I haven't cut caffeine. I am a bit of a black coffee drinker. Oh, yeah. But I try not to drink it after lunch. It's only in the mornings. Um, but, you know, it isn't always glamorous. Like, often I end up eating my dinner in the back of an Addison Lee cab. <laughs> but, you know, that, I've chosen that life. Like, yeah. I, you know, I've chosen to have a career and do those things. So I've got to make it work for me. And actually, you know, sometimes if you're fronting a fitness plan or a diet plan... You try to make it all look perfect, but it's not true. Sometimes if you want your goals, you have to go through eating dried chicken in the back of the cab, you know? Yeah. And that's okay, because for me, the outcome outweighs that process. You know, the outcome is I can get up with my kids, I can be as energetic with them, I can go out on stage and deliver a speech that I'm passionate about, I can meet you in the rain, <laughs> right on the you know, and those are great things. And if anything goes wrong in my medical journey and I've got to go and have a skin graft I can be confident I can recover quickly so because you know your body's in the best possible place and I know when people want a diet they want like easy answers and everything to be nice but you know what life isn't nice yeah and sometimes some of the things we want are a nightmare to get there but we can do it you know women are very strong people we're we are very good at adapting to change and embracing change so you just have to push yourself is that why you've part of the reason why you've launched your new podcast to show, like, to talk about other people's stories where it hasn't particularly gone right? Or yeah, do you what know was what? The... the podcast came from on Instagram and in real life as well. People like coming up to me in the street, writing to me, telling me that you know life is hopeless, like they're riddled with anxiety, depression. And then on the other side, I've got this life where it's a bit like being a hairdresser. People come and tell me amazing stories of how they've overcome adversity okay. but they don't have a platform to share it and you think god if you could get these two groups of people together it would give people perspective it would give people life lessons advice and it would really help people 
and be able to kind of move forward. So it's not a podcast about celebrities. Like sometimes we have celeb guests, but that's only incidental that they're famous. Okay. And these people will, you know, give these life lessons, talk about their, often it's very extreme situations they found themselves in. And you don't have to be in the same, but there's still the same emotions. And it has been really popular so far. It's quite draining to do because... I was going to say, because yeah. it's almost like <coughs> um, people are offloading onto you, but... Yeah. Like, it's uplifting at the same time. Like, sometimes I'll come away like, wow, I'm so bloody lazy. <laughs> you know, it'll really motivate me. And it'll really admire me, and it'll really help me with my own private problems as well. Then other times I've actually cried in the recordings where you think, oh my God, like, isn't the world a wicked place? But then always the episode will end on a high and you'll think like wow if they can come through that then I can definitely get through this you know. Moving on to your new TV series that's coming out Fighting Crime. Oh Famous and Fighting Crime yeah. Yeah. That's a crazy one. Are you actually out on the beat? Yeah I mean it's real so I did night shifts because there's more action at night so you get to work work at 3pm and you finish at 7am like full gear I had to wear a stab vest Oh my gosh. Still wore false eyelashes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was real. We went through intense training um, and then we had our colleagues and we would respond to 999 calls and go out kind of into the unknown. And then later in the show, I joined CID where we'd have warrants to go and search addresses and track down people that were kind of absconding and stuff. So, How did you mentally prepare for that? I think you can't because actually just like for the real police that are working every day, you can't predict what's going to come in. Right. So you just have to kind of be prepared for all eventualities. Were you scared? Yeah, I was. But, you know, I think that's what attracted me to doing it because I hate staying stagnant in life. And I feel like we, as a society, we get so groomed into thinking fear is a bad thing, we should avoid it. Like, you sometimes do something that brings out fear in you and then you'll push yourself to the next level. Like, most things that have scared me in life have helped me move forward. Because you went into a burning building, didn't you? Oh, it was nightmare. We were in the forest, right? And there were people that were rough sleeping in the forest. And one had a warrant out of their arrest, some kind of burglary. So we're in this forest and we start smelling smoke, right? So we run out the forest and we see these flats are on fire. We had to jump in this cab, go up the road. And it's just pure coincidence that you were there and they were on fire. so random. And nobody had called uh, the fire brigade, so we called the fire brigade. But they were delayed in getting there, I guess, because of cuts and they were at another job. So we had to go in and bang on the doors and get other residents up. But it's quite a notorious area and a lot of the residents don't respond to police. So we're like banging on the doors like, police, there's a fire in your building, get out. And everyone's ignoring us. Maybe they're thinking it's some kind of raid. Or whatever. So we were literally like kicking the doors in of people's apartment. Because, you know, obviously with a house fire, it's usually the smoke inhalation that kills you first. Yeah. I know firsthand through my charity how dangerous it is to go in a burning building with no apparatus and no protective clothing. And actually, as civilian, you shouldn't do that because right. you're going to be more of a hindrance than a help. But that was the weird thing on that, that job. We, I wasn't civilian. I was police. And that's how I had to think all the time because... You know, normally I would call 999 and stand back. Yeah. Um, so it was hard and I didn't really want to go it. It's not because of what's happened to me. It's more because of my work at my charity. I mentor and work with people all the time that have been psychologically and physically damaged in house fires. Right. So, but you know, I mean, we got people out. People were disabled. There were children. So they needed help getting out and it was a tower block. So 
And so you've now finished filming that series. Yeah. And you're moving on to more projects this year. Yeah, I've actually got a documentary coming out as well um, in the Crime and Punishment Strand, um, which for me was a bit of a life goal because it's uh, Trevor MacDonald, Ross Kemp, Piers Morgan and me. And they're... You know, I know Piers Morgan is controversial, but I really <laughs> admire him and I really you know, admire the other guys. So kind of documentary heroes for me. Um, mine's about a young girl who was a model um, who died in unexplained circumstances. And uh, we had footage of the 999 call coming in, body cam footage of the police going to the apartment where she died. I go and meet her family and interview them all, go back to her apartment. Um, and it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a difficult watch because your emotions and your conspiracy theories change throughout the programme. And then, as with all good docs, it leaves you making up your own mind at the end after you've kind of seen all the evidence. You I know? was about to say, like, you are really confident. Well, uh, not, yeah. Is it it's something some... you've, you've always had or is it something you work on? No, I think you constantly work on confidence and I think it's the, the hardest thing is to be confident in all areas of your life. Like running through puddles. Yeah, running through puddles. Um, and I always think sometimes, you know, exercise, running, some people can be a bit judgy. And you're like, you know what? If you run 1K, you don't stop and you've never run before. That's a massive achievement. And that's how things are built. So I always think those small goalposts, don't ever let anyone diminish it because what's small for someone else is like a whole new territory for other people. I think... That is the perfect way to end our chat in the mud. <laughs> we have to take our picture like this, oh stood in the mud. Gosh, <laughs> what, a good, what a good run that was. And it's a nice how, place though, don't you think? Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. So nice to be out of the city. And it's so nice to hear your refreshing take on how you're managing to do it all. Uh, well, just um, about. But, <laughs> but I know, but I think it's quite easy to look at celebrities and yeah. think that um, there is so much help and actually to hear the fact that yeah. you're in your kitchen <laughs> yeah, or you're running, around, <laughs> yeah. you're running around a park and you're still managing to do all these projects yeah. um, and help people out. So, Well, I must thank you because if you hadn't come today, I wouldn't have exercised. Oh, so now it's in the bag. So, so now yeah. it's all about having an accountability buddy, I think. Yeah, it's that's like, actually a really good life lesson. Make plans and then you, and then you do it. Thank you so much for listening to Welfare, your guide to conquering 26.2. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do take 30 seconds to rate and review us on iTunes. It really does make all the difference and I and the team read absolutely everything you write, which means the world to us. New episodes will be released every Sunday on all the usual podcast platforms, so please do subscribe and never miss a notification. Until then, thanks again to all of you for listening and supporting us and thanks to Mags Creative, the producers of this show. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com